When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. The solar panels work in winter. Solar energy output in Australia throughout winter is surprisingly high in some cities. You can learn more about better solar energy at B-Solar. Visit b.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. Welcome to the First Serve, your home of tennis. Great to have your company for another week. Uh, Brett Phillips in the chair. Always love talking at the world of tennis. Would love you to be involved uh, tonight. one 736 736, that is the number to call if you want to join the tennis conversation. As always, you can put anything you like on the tennis agenda. You call, and we will certainly put you to air tonight. There's also the Tennis Direct text you can get us on uh, tonight if you're a little shy on the phone. 0433981116, Tennis Direct. We love having them on board here on the first serve. They're Australia's favourite online tennis store. Fast delivery, great prices, free delivery on orders over $150. You can go to their website, shop while you listen tonight tennisdirect.com.au use that promo code firstserve10 to get the uh, 10% uh, discount we've got a bit to come tonight Roger Federer he's on the menu Camilla Georgie the backstory of Camilla Georgie Daniel Medvedev the biggest challenger to maybe dethroning Novak Djokovic's attempt to win the calendar slam Dan Keenan is the host of a magnificent tennis podcast. He's coming up. And Morris Gleeson, OAM, to talk a bit about blind tennis. That's uh, coming up a little bit later on. But to the news, the major tennis news of the day. Thanks to Yonex celebrating 75 years performance product crafted in Japan. You can check out their latest range at yonex.com. As an unabashed uh, fan of Roger Federer, this is not the news I wanted to hear. He went to his Instagram account, which has got plenty following him, and he had this to say. Over to you, Rog. Hey, everybody. It's uh, Roger here. I hope you're doing well. Uh, listen, I just wanted to update you or give you a bit of an update what's been going on since Wimbledon. As you can imagine, it's not been simple. Um, I've been doing a lot of checks with the doctors as well on my knee getting all the information as I hurt myself further during the grass court season and Wimbledon, and it's just not the way to go forward. So unfortunately, they told me for the medium to long term uh, to feel better, I will need to will need surgery. So I decided to do it. I'll be on crutches for, for many weeks and then also uh, out of the game for many months. So it's going to be difficult, of course, in some ways, but at the same time, uh, I know it's the right thing to do because I want to be healthy. I want to be running around later as well again. And I want to give myself um, a glimmer of hope also to return to the tour in some shape or form. Um, I am realistic, don't get me wrong. I know how difficult it is at this age right now to, to do another surgery and, um, and try it. But uh, look, um, I want to be healthy and uh, I will go through the rehab process, I think also with the goal um, while I'm still active, which I think is going to help me 
during this uh, this long period of time. So, also big thank you already now, maybe for all your messages that are going to be coming in, coming in because you guys are always incredible. You always think of me. Uh, some of you suffer with me. Uh, some of you just uh, wish me the best. I want to see me back on court or see me smile. I am doing okay, so I appreciate that. And I'll update you as I move along with my, my rehab. So uh, I wish you all the best and uh, I'll check in with you soon. Uh, Take thank care. you very much. Bye. Thank you, Roger. Uh, sorry to interrupt you there. Uh, just on the Tennis Direct text, I think it's amazing that Roger wants to have the knee operation so he can keep playing. Obviously not for the money. Clearly, you must have a real passion for the game even at 40. He does. He does still have a great passion for the game. He doesn't want to bow out in the way he did at Wimbledon on uh, Centre Court going back a couple of months ago. I think the reality is for us here in Australia and for us, for us who go to the Australian Open every year, uh, unfortunately, we're probably not going to see him on our shores. And it's funny, all through this year, in the role that I play at the Australian Open on court there on Rod Laver Arena, I was thinking, wouldn't it be great to be able to introduce Roger Federer for one last time and to go through that bio, which is about uh, four or five cue cards when you go through his entire career, and then to just hear that ovation for arguably the greatest tennis player we have seen. Unfortunately, you don't get the fairy tales that often in sport. Um, We can only hope that he can get here and actually we can see him in person in some way, shape or form down the track. You might want to weigh into that, one 736 736 for him to come back now after three surgeries on his knee in the space of, what, 12 to 18 months, it's going to be a huge ask uh, for Roger Federer. Uh, but he's turned 40 last week. He's got a lot of his life to live. He's got four children. He's got to run around. He wants to be fit and healthy. But whether he can come back and play competitive tennis, yeah, I think it's going to be a huge mountain to climb uh, for Roger. Just considering the calibre of player now, it's, it's a tough game. Uh, the physicality is just absolutely uh, enormous. But we'll watch this space with uh, great interest and only hope we see one more... Uh, one more um, stint of Roger Federer on court rather than bowing out uh, this particular way. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Happy to take your calls uh, tonight. Uh, we're going down to River in Lakes Entrance. G'day, River. G'day, BP. First time, long time. How are you? Uh, going well. Good to have you on the show. Thank you. I uh, just want to get your thoughts on uh, Camilla Georgie winning uh, first WTA title for the year against Pushkar overnight. Well, I've brought in about four pages of notes on uh, Camilla Georgie, let me tell you. And I'm going to tell you the backstory very, very soon, uh, River, in my own uh, personal uh, exchanges with uh, Camilla Georgie, which haven't uh, always been fruitful in the role that I have to play. But one thing that has been evident the whole way through, and she's 29 now, so we've seen her for a good... Uh, well, she's been, she turned pro when she was 14, so we've seen her for a long time. She's always been an unbelievable ball striker. I mean, she hits the absolute cover off the ball. The only issue is when it's not quite right and she's not executing, uh, most of the time it goes outside the tram lines. Now, back in 2015, she served the most double faults in the history of WTA tennis. It was 458 double faults for the year. I can tell you a small story. When I was uh, doing the commentary down at the Hobart International game back a few years ago, beautiful domain tennis centre, looking over the Derwent River. It was a late-night match, and the conditions were pretty tough. Camilla Georgie that night served 25 double faults, and I said to the cameraman, because we were doing the live stream, just follow her father, Sergio, who's got the Einstein hair, middle-aged man, Italian. Well, he's actually Argentinian, immigrated to Italy all those years ago, and she plays under the Italian banner. She was almost going to play under the Israeli banner. 
at one stage. That's another side story amongst many stories in the uh, Georgie uh, file. And Sergio disappeared. And we thought, where's he gone? And he actually went and hid behind a tree uh, outside of the stadium. He could not watch anymore as Camilla Georgie was serving double fault upon double fault upon double fault. Camilla, Camilla, he's just, oh, my goodness. He was beside himself, absolutely beside himself. But, look, she has got some reward for being uh, an exceptional ball striker. She doesn't know where the net is. I don't think I've ever seen her come into the net. Um, but we're going to hear a bit of Camilla Georgie uh, very soon. But, River, thanks for your call. It's a good reward for someone that does play uh, an extremely aggressive branded tennis. So I'll get to Camilla Georgie in just a tick. I want to start, though, with uh, Daniel Medvedev. He is the biggest threat to Novak Djokovic, no doubt, to win uh, this year's US Open and to deny Novak winning the calendar slam. 12th career title today, 11th on hard courts, 4th at that Masters 1000 level. He defeated Riley Opelka, 6-4, the big American who could easily play in the ruck for any AFL team uh, in the country. He's the next um, version of John Isner, the younger version of John Isner, and he's going somewhere. His IQ is uh, terrific. It's not just the big booming serve, but Medvedev is a fascinating character. All the Russians are charismatic, a little bit quirky. He's a great media performer. He's got an unbelievable defence. He's a little bit unorthodox, but he just gets balls after balls back into play. Daniel Medvedev winning today in Toronto, the Masters 1000, number two in the world, and he's flying. First of all, I want to congratulate Riley on a great week. I guess it's uh, the best week of your life so far. Uh, you know, my first uh, Masters 1000 final was also in Canada, in Montreal, and I won only three games, so you did uh, much better than me, and uh, hopefully next ones you have, you're going to play better if it's not going to be against me, so good luck and uh, congrats to you and your team. I want to thank my team, uh, my wife and my coach, Dasha and Gilles. Thanks a lot. Uh, Gilles, as you see, I can smile sometimes, as you ask me. I also want to, to thank everybody who's watching uh, from my team or my family, my parents. Uh, I want to thank one person who, who really wanted it and I forgot it for uh, 10 or 11 times. Oli, if you're watching, thanks a lot for being with me. Great support. <laughs> uh, indeed. I don't know who Oli is, but he's never got a mention. Uh, Daniel left him out uh, for the other 11 titles that he'd won, so he's actually remembered to include Ollie in the speech uh, today. Riley Opelka, I've enjoyed his tennis right throughout the week. Fair mopper here. If you turn him upside down, he would absolutely look after your flaws uh, beautifully. He's a, a big guy, 23 in the world. He's at a career-high ranking, and he's coming thick and fast, and he's got a tennis brain out there. It's not just all booming uh, power and a massive serve. There is some real thought to his game style and everything that goes with it. He's big Riley. Yeah, first of all, uh, congrats to Neil for uh, an unbelievable week. Uh, there's been a lot of these this year for you, and um, you know, you've been having an uh, unbelievable season so far, and uh, I know we still got a, a long way to go, but uh, congrats to you and your team. Unfortunately, we couldn't leave the bubble too much, but I'm looking forward to coming back two years to explore Toronto. Um, this is my first time here, and um, the fans have really made me feel at home, so thank you. And I thank you for coming. Riley Opelka, we're going to see more of him. He's going to be a real threat for the US Open. Loving the hard courts. We can expect him on the back of his year, on the back of his form uh, this week, uh, certainly to be uh, in strong contention to make the second week of the final major of the year. Of the Aussies, well done to James Duckworth. Had his uh, finest week. He's up to a career-high 69, the Duck. He can play. He did go down to Medvedev, the eventual winner. Uh, in that uh, round of 16 match. But uh, fantastic win over uh, Yannick Sinner. 
which was a real uh, breakthrough uh, for uh, for Duckworth. He beat Taylor Fritz as well. So Duck up to 69. Hopefully he can build on that. Uh, Millman lost a tough match to Gail Monfils, who's probably the player that suffered the most through this whole COVID period, really fallen out of love with the sport. But she was a bit of the old Gail uh, in the last uh, week, really entertaining, uh, got the better of Millman down the stretch of that match. He was 4-2 up. John just couldn't quite put the icing on the cake. Kyrgios went out first round to Opelka, who made the final, and not sure where Nick uh, stands uh, right now. Demonor, how about that? Beaten by Bazdalashvili, the Georgian 6-1-6-1. That is very unlike Alex Demonor, but uh, he's our top-ranked Aussie. He will live to fight another day in Cincinnati this week and then the US Open. Okay, Camilla Georgie, let's tell you a bit more of her story. Before I do, though... Let's have a listen to Camilla. Now, she doesn't do too many interviews in English, and I know all about that, having have to interview her courtside at a few tournaments here in Australia. But today, her finest moment, WTA 1000. She'd won two titles previously, both at 250 level. She actually made a quarterfinal of Wimbledon going back to 2018. Pure ball striker, unbelievable ball striker. She's beaten Mertens this week, Kvitova, Coco Goff. She... Uh, defeated uh, Pliskova today for the third time this year and she wins the biggest title of her career. Well, Camilla, you are the National Bank Open champion here in Montreal. Can you just describe your emotions right now? Um, I'm just very happy. I think it was a great week and um, uh, I play a very good week. Uh, every match was very tough, actually. I was, uh, it was like a proof. <laughs> every day, tough match. So it's great. I mean, the biggest win of your career, um, the best week of your career. You seem to play without any fear out there at all for, the, for such a big occasion. Yeah, actually, yes, it was. Uh, but I think uh, this year I start playing very well, too. So I think um, I didn't expect this week uh, to, to have this amazing gift, uh, you know, this, this trophy. So I didn't expect it, but it could happen any time because I think it was a very, very good tennis I was playing already, you know, since um, January. So so I think it was uh, good. And you're the first Italian to win here. Um, give you even more satisfaction that all the hard work you've put in after all these years and now maybe a little bit older than some of the players winning the biggest title of your career. I'm just happy for, for myself, you know, and for, like I said, I dedicate that to, to my dad, this trophy because it was a lot of work, you know, all this year. So it was just, um, I'm very happy, <laughs> like I say. And against one of the best servers on the, on the tour in Carolina, you seem to be returning the ball so well against her serve. Yeah, actually, we played a great match. She was playing very good today. Uh, was, I think, even uh, was a fun final. So it was, was great. Can't really celebrate too much. You're still in the in the tennis bubble, but you you mentioned your dad. I just wonder, like, you know, you you're gonna give him a call and already if you haven't, and just, you know, enjoy the moment together. Yeah, of course. We already talk a hundred times today, <laughs> so I'm gonna call him again, of course. And uh, but we always talk before and after the match, uh, before practice, uh, all the time. Of course, he's my dad and coach, so it's uh, both <laughs> very important in my career and my life. So just a bit more on the, the Georgie story, if you're not familiar with the Camilla Georgie uh, file. So her parents of um, Argentinian, uh, of Italian descent, they immigrated to Italy. Her father, Sergio, actually fought in the Falcons War against the British back in 1982, became her full-time coach. Mum is a fashion designer, so she designs the dresses. She always looks the part. 
Camilla Georgie. There were reports that she actually considered emigrating to Israel back in 2012. Her father had opened talks with the Israel Tennis Association over some financial terms. It didn't come to uh, come to bear, though. Father pushed her extremely hard in training. Nick Boliteri, the great uh, tennis coach, offered her seven months of training when she was very young, and the only player he had previously done that for was Maria Sharapova. The other part of the Georgie story, um, just trying to work through the timeline uh, here. So a number of years ago, so there, there are four siblings in the Georgie family. So the two parents were saying, okay, Camilla's got all this talent, but how are we going to fund her tennis setup to travel around the world? So the Georgies then started to uh, get involved and got introduced to some investors. And there were a lot of private investors who put some money into the Georgie career she then started to win some uh, decent prize money as her ranking was elevating up towards the top 100. And the, um, the exchange was that uh, for you know, paying her expenses for those investors, they would then get a percentage of the prize money. But that prize money, that percentage didn't come. And that caused a bit of controversy at the time. I don't know where that sits uh, today. 2017, she was issued with a nine-month ban from the Fed Cup team for Italy for actually refusing to play Fed Cup when she was given the call-up. She was fined $32,000. And I go back to, yeah, the Hobart International, as I mentioned, where she served 25 double faults. And I tried to interview her at the Sydney International going back a few years ago, which is an obligation of the players on court. She couldn't run fast enough. Channel 7 Broadcasting at the time said, uh, Camilla, come back here, thank you. And she said to me, can you ask me just one question? And I asked three. I thought, I've got to try and pinch three. And she was the most uncomfortable person being interviewed. We saw it at the trophy uh, ceremony today. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's uh, one that just leaves you a little bit perplexed, uh, just knowing who the real Camilla Georgie is. It's, she's in a, a very much her own little bubble. It's, it reminds me of Sharapova a lot, just with her team, not overly interactive with the other girls on tour, very intense, uh, doesn't really celebrate out on court. She didn't embrace the crowd this week. It's just a very different feel of a winner on tour. And if we go back to May this year at the Italian Open, you might remember her father was sitting just behind the chair umpire and the chair umpire actually got on the walkie-talkie and asked the supervisor for some extra protection because Sergio, was um, he was just you know, interjecting everything, disputing line calls and he had plenty to say. So it's been a fascinating story, the Camilla Georgie story, but she is a beautiful ball striker and you love those aggressive plays. You think back to Sabine Lasicki, who made a Wimbledon final. You think back to Yamila Gaitasova, uh, who was Yamila Groth at one stage. Uh, she used to belt the cover off the ball. Uh, Arena Sabalenka of modern times now. It's uh, taken her to the top two. She plays with a little subtlety in her tennis. And when it works, these players are so difficult to try and counteract. So Camilla Georgie does get her reward. Now, there's a young man. I'm going to let him, uh, Rod, say uh, his name uh, tonight. He's an emerging star. So we know that Carlos Alcarez, the young Spaniard, is the highest-ranked 18-year-old. He's already at 55 in the world. This young man from Denmark is on his way. I'll let him say his name. Holger Vitus Nilskov Ohne. Thank you very much. Uh, he's got four parts to his name. I, I thought I'd give it to him to say it because he can uh, just uh, accentuate it far better than I can. One six six two six three. He won the Challenger in Italy today, so he's at one sixty six. He's coming. Watch out for Holger.
He's the next one to maybe emerge inside the top 100 of men's uh, professional tennis. A little shout-out to two Aussies. We had him on the first serve about eight to nine weeks ago. They have won 20 consecutive matches together. And this is right at the other end of the tour in Tunisia. On the weekend, I got sent match point. There's no one there courtside watching. Tom Fancutt, Jeremy Beale, a Queenslander, a Victorian, won their fifth doubles title this year. They've won 20 matches in a row. And they've got hopes too, to rise up and be at a better level on the tour. So well done to Tom and Jeremy. We're going to connect with them over the next few weeks as they take us inside the ITF Tour and catch all that, of course, on our website, thefirstserve.com.au, and our socials as well, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Your calls, we've got uh, OAM, Morris Gleeson, if you don't mind, and Dan Kinnan, still to come on The First Serve. With B-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B-Solar advisor. Visit b.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management. And glgcorp.com, the first serve, your home of tennis. Your home of tennis indeed, uh, right across the SEN network uh, each week. You can check out our website, thefirstserve.com.au. Follow us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Following the Aussies and the world of tennis seven days a week. Cincinnati uh, this week, John Millman, Alex Demonor. They're going to be in action in the early hours of tomorrow. Unfortunately, Alexi Popperin just fell short. In a bit of a rut, uh, Alexi, in terms of getting wins since uh, the Madrid Masters. Only what one of his last 11 Six three six seven five seven went down to Moutet, the Frenchman, in a tough one uh, today. Ash Barty's going to be back uh, this week, so she'll play either Sasnovich or Watson in the second round. And a bye for Ash as she gears up her preparations for the US Open. Sam Stos has got a wild card, and also in the dubs, uh, Ellen Perry is doing a nice uh, job in doubles this year. She will play, so that's going to be the major focus. Uh, Cincinnati uh, this week, another big one thousand event. Great to welcome him to the show, Morris Gleeson, OAM. He is the CEO, President of Blind Sport and Recreation Victoria. Blind tennis is very much part of our overall tennis landscape. Morris, it's uh, great to have you on the first serve. Oh, thank you very much, Brett, for the opportunity. Been great to connect with you, Morris, over the last uh, few weeks. Uh, just tell us a bit about the evolution of uh, blind tennis in this country. Well, uh um, I guess uh, tennis as such was never um, perceived as, as a sport for people who are blind or vision impaired uh, here in Australia. Um, and in about 1984 in Japan, yep. um, Hiroshi Takai, who lost his sight later in life and was absolutely a fanatical tennis player as a, when he was sighted, started to develop um, we'll call it blind tennis. So he he introduced it in Japan, then uh, over time and went through Europe and other you know, some parts of Asia. But in Australia, we were very slow off the mark. And so we actually started to explore and develop about 10 years ago now. Mm. And um, so and, and now um, Victoria has started off and now we've got... Uh, New South Wales, South Australia, Queensland and WA really coming on board now. So it's developing to a national um, tennis program now. And and the effects, Morris, how have you seen with, with the evolution, not only here in Victoria, but around Australia, as you mentioned, New South Wales, what, what it's done for people 
who are uh, blind or vision impaired, just to give them a chance to actually be involved in a sport they love and actually participate? What, what have you seen that they've actually done for those individuals? Well, I, I, I've been involved in... Um, my background is in policy advocacy and social work, but I've been involved in blind sports for many years as yep. president in the last 10 years CEO. And up until about 10 years ago, we really had limited sports. Uh, that we were participating in, but with we have a much more inclusive society now, so now we diversify, and tennis has been just a life changer for many people who never had the opportunity to play any form of tennis. Some had never even held a tennis racket, but always wanted to try, and it's a life changer for many of our players. Um, it, it, it's incredible how uh, one program can enhance someone's quality of life. Mm. Absolutely brilliant. So just to give us a, a bit of a picture of what it looks like. So you've got sort of the, the audible balls, uh, you know, the racket size, yeah. net height, uh, the number of bounces, that depends on category. There are a number of different classifications and categories of blind and low vision uh, tennis according to, of course, the International Blind uh, Tennis Association. Uh, well, well, that's right. Um uh, the, the ball itself is, is a foam ball, uh, which is audible, so it has a bell in it. And in competitive tennis, uh, you use either yellow or black. Um, and so, and so it's a slower bounce, and um, the court's a bit shorter. And if you have categories B1, 2, 3, and 4, so B1 is someone who's totally blind, and as your um, and you go up to what's called legally blind. Uh, I won't go into all the technical details, but what it is, what you can see, someone with 20 20 vision, what they can see is, say, 60 feet away. Yep. A person with blind vision is six feet away. So they're limited vision. And um, you can have uh, a B1 can have three bounces, uh, and a B2 or and three and four have two or one. Um, depending on, on your degree of vision loss. Absolutely brilliant. And you sent me an article uh, today about a, a local resident uh, here in Melbourne, Phoebe. She's become a proud ambassador for Blind Sport and Recreation's Victoria's Tennis Program. And as she has said in this article, I've had a good read today and we'll hopefully have a chat to her in the coming weeks, uh, Morris, but it's absolutely been a game changer for her. Well, and that, that testimonial of Phoebe who, you know, one simple program, uh, not just for the tennis itself, but it's given her confidence to adjust to her vision loss, to know that there is a purpose, and that's what the tennis world, this program, and other sports as well, not just tennis, but I think because tennis wasn't a sport that people who are blowing vision had the opportunity, and that's why uh, it's wonderful to see them um, playing it, and um, my role as international president of the International Blind Tennis Association, and people congratulate me for it. And I say, oh, man, what a wonderful achievement. I don't know if there are hundreds of people queuing up for the role. Uh, it's a very demanding role. Yes. Um, so, yes. So, so, but, I mean, I would like to say we're very competitive. We have lots of people by yourself. But it was a great honour to have that role. Um, there's about 17 countries that are actively um, playing tennis around 
uh, various parts of the globe. Right. And uh, it, it, and usually in better time, um, there's international tournament uh, happening annually. Uh, but that obviously is being put on hold for a while. Yep. Yeah, great stuff. I mean, you know, just you talk about the diversity and. You know, look how far Morris wheelchair tennis has come and what Dylan Alcott has done for that form of uh, tennis and uh, blind tennis and, and, you know, so many other uh, forms to get people involved um, you know, in the game. What's the best way people can find out about blind tennis and, and get involved uh, with you, Morris? What's the oh, best way? Oh, all right. Just to quick, uh, I'm Dylan. He's a great ambassador uh, for the tennis, not just because he's a wheelchair player, but he's a professional player, yep. highly skilled. And and the good thing about tennis today, uh, it's for all. And not just for the elite. Yeah. The elite are fantastic. But for those at a social level, at any level, you can participate in it. Now, going back to your question, um, if anybody would either look on our website um, and uh, um, for Blind Sport and Recreation Victoria or just call us, on nine eight double two double eight seven six. Um, either if you want to be a volunteer or you just want to come down and see the game, we play at Melbourne Park uh, on a Friday evening. But all are welcome, and I just encourage anybody, either with or without any disability, to pursue whatever sport interest you uh, would like to um, take up. Brilliant. Thank you, Morris. Let's do it again in another form down the track, but uh, really appreciate your time tonight. Thanks very much, Brett. Thanks for listening. Bye. Uh, Morris Gleeson, OAM CEO, President of Blind Sport and Recreation Victoria. Blind Tennis, uh, it's giving uh, many people um, just a, a great avenue to play the sport they love, uh, all thanks to Yonex, celebrating 75 years performance product crafted in Japan. Check out their latest range at yonex.com. You can go shopping tonight, tennisdirect.com.au. Get that 10% discount. Use the promo code FIRSTSERVE10. They'll deliver it to your door wherever you are around Australia listening into the First Serve, tennisdirect.com.au. Back with more on the First Serve. Better energy with B-Solar. You'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B-Solar advisor. Visit b.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to the First Serve. Great to have your company as always for another week uh, right across uh, the SCN network. Rafael Nadal, we're going to keep an eye on Rafa. That uh, foot for the US Open two weeks away. We know Djokovic out of Cincy this week, but he'll be fine for the US Open as he tries to win the calendar slam. Uh, US Open, we're going to have a full house in New York, can you believe? But no fans for the qualifying. Indian Wells is going to be back. Gee, I'd love to be back there. One of my favourite, if not my favourite uh, destination on the tour. Uh, back in October. Fingers crossed they get it back because they've missed out last year. Asian Swing cancelled, uh, which is no great surprise, which is disappointing. We know how big it has become in both men's and women's tennis. I feel like a saying that I've said so many times during just, you know, chatting to friends and family over the past 18 months as we deal with uh, COVID. It's sort of like my parting line. Oh, well, all we can do is control the controllables. Well, that is the name of a podcast, a tennis podcast that I listen to frequently. I was put onto it by uh, my good trusty friend, Paul Aiken, who'll be listening in tonight, former co-host of this show. He said, Brett, you've got to listen to Control the Controllables. And I've been on many walks in the past 12 months and taken in a great tennis podcast. It is hosted by my next guest, Dan Keenan, former number one British doubles player 
and uh, he's also got an academy that he runs over in Spain. And in between doing all that, he does this magnificent podcast. Dan, it's uh, great to have you on our show. Thanks for having me. Uh, what, a, what an honour. What a, what, a, what a pleasure to be with you. Dan, uh, love the podcast. I mean, there's a bit to talk. We haven't got a lot of time being a live show, so I'm going to try and rip through as many different um, things as I can. But, you, of course, you, you played the game, so tennis has been your passion and your love for uh, for, for such a, a long time. You've got an academy set up just near Marbella, for those that know their uh, Spanish uh, geography. So you're still very much involved, warts and all, day-to-day uh, developing tennis players. Uh, just give us, give us, I suppose, a little pen pick of... You know your time in tennis. Yeah, I, I suppose actually the, the podcast, the name of the podcast is probably quite a good title for my for my tennis. Um, you know, and, and kind of did the whole junior thing, decent decent player playing the whole world the world tour. Never really felt like I, I had a place that was that really suited me as an individual. So then went off to U.S. college. Definitely felt that suited me. Worked really well. Played. Played on the pro, pro tour and was fortunate enough to play a couple of the Grand Slams, and then and then went into coaching. And I guess everything that I'd built over those 20, 25 years of playing tennis was was around trying to create an environment that tennis was the vehicle to take us through this life. So obviously, this conversation brings me to speaking to you in Australia, and that is through tennis, you know. The, and and that's what we've been trying to then do with the podcast as well, you know, trying to unpack, you know, all the different journeys because I think there's there's a lot of ways to skin this cat, you know, and I think some people will claim that there's only one way, uh, whereas actually what I'm finding from all of these amazing guests on the podcast is what I felt for a long time, that there's many different ways and routes in this yep. amazing world of tennis and and there's lots of success measures within that as well. So uh, that's probably a quick fire way through what what I've been up to over the last 30, 35 years. I could talk a lot more on it if you want, but I'll, I'll not put you, put you guests through that through that pain. Dan, I reckon we might do we might do a, a special sort of first serve podcast that we'll put up on our website and our socials down the track because uh, we're a little limited for time in a one-hour radio show every week, but I reckon we do a, a full chat. Before I talk about your podcast, the, the academy that uh, you've got in Spain at the moment. Take us inside that. I mean, we know Spain has just been an unbelievable country for, you know, producing uh, tennis talent, got a terrific tennis system. But give us a feel of your academy and, and how it all runs over there. Yeah, so the Soto Tennis Academy. So I, I set this up about 12 years ago. And I think, again, going back to that control the controllables, I, I had my niggles back in the UK and I felt it wasn't really a breeding ground for, for producing tennis players and giving people the best chance. Uh, so I took a little bit of a chance on, on, on coming out to Spain and, and obviously over the last 12 years, I've massively realised why this culture has produced so many players. Um, and I think, you know, as a starting point, we talk about year-round weather you know, and which means obviously lots, lots and lots of facilities. But the biggest thing for me is just the comp- competition structure out here. You know, and we're, we're really looking within the academy, like I said before, around tennis being a vehicle. So we're providing all of our players with a comp- all the competition in the world that they need on their doorstep, but we're also getting them to understand all of the life skills that they're picking up within the sport as well, because we know that not... 
there's not going to be 30 Andy Murrays or Rafael Nadal's walking through our door every uh, every five minutes, you know. So so really trying to set them up for life, make sure that they can see, you know, tennis for all its brilliance. But the only way that you get get out of this sport is if you put into this sport as well, yeah. you know. So it's not just a case of just turning up and playing a bit of tennis and then your life changes. But if you come and throw yourself at this sport, you know, you do it in you do it in the right way. You know, you get some academics behind you as well. You know, I truly, truly believe that if you are in the right environment and you are giving your best, then then everybody does succeed. You know, and what that success is will all, all be relative. You know, and that might be playing Wimbledon, winning Wimbledon. It might be getting college scholarships. Yep. It might be people coming in and then going in to be broadcast journalists. You know, there's there's many different forms of success through that. But that's what we're trying to provide here at Total Tennis Academy. It's a great point. I mean, we, we talk about it a lot, Dan. The definition of success in tennis and, you know, it's a tough global sport. It's so hard to reach that really top echelon. And I'll say to people, you know, we've got a lot of Australian uh, men and women at the moment who are ranked between 100 and 200 in the world. And people will say, well, that's, uh, that's not great. But then you look at the big picture of tennis when there's over 1,000 players ranked. If you're somewhere in the top 200, you're a very, very decent tennis player and the margins are so small. So it's a fascinating discussion, isn't it, as to what success is in tennis? It is. Well, if you if you think, I mean, go back to a Jennifer Capriati. Yep. You know, it was it was Jennifer Capriati successful. You know, at 15, she was winning Grand Slams, but at, at 23, she was giving up the sport. She was a drug addict, mm. and she couldn't, you know, and, and had all of these problems. And obviously, mental health is is a is a hot topic, rightly so, now in the world. You know, and I think if we get these success measures wrong. And, and we start just making people think that the only success is winning and picking up trophies and, you know, making money from playing in the sport, then I, I do think that that is causing a lot of mental health problems throughout our sport because it's, there's, there's so much, it's so visible now, you know. Uh, a 12-year-old in Melbourne knows the scores of a 12-year-old in Sydney. Yep. You know, they can then talk via Instagram and, you know, this whole world, you know, can can be quite brutal. Now, at the same time, it can also become a little bit fluffy. <laughs> we can also just start talking process, 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 mm. and then and then not develop tough kids who are trying to win. And, and I think that's the balance and that's the holy grail that we're after, is getting that balance between purpose and performance, you know, what's your real purpose? What are the things that you're working towards? But also striving and having a real passion towards performing well and, and, and managing to get some, some W's on the board as well, you know? So I think it's, it, it's not quite as black and white as just don't worry about winning, do this. But at the same time, I think we do have to teach from an early age, you know, the right values and the right success measures across the board. Well said, Dan. Dan Keenan, our special guest, uh, former British uh, professional tennis player running his own academy in Spain, and he's got a magnificent tennis podcast called Control the Controllables. Dan, you've interviewed many over the last uh, 18 months. They're all they're all great chats where you don't have uh, limitations of how long you can uh, speak to your guests. And is there one, one or two that 
absolutely stand out. I've got a, a couple of minutes here before we've got to get to a break on our show. We don't have the liberty of going all the way through, but is there one or two that absolutely stand out that have made their mark or left an impression on you? The one that comes to my mind is episode 62, Valerie Condosfield, uh, gym, gymnastics coach in the, in the USA. You know, and she really, she articulates what I would believe are my philosophies much better than I ever have. Um, and certainly that was, that was very eye-opening, and I thought she did, it, she did a brilliant job. Um, Mark Petchy, the yeah. tennis commentator Great. now, who former British, top, British number one and, and top 100 player, I thought Mark just absolutely, you know, stood out, stood out in my, just in terms of the layers of conversation that we went to. You know, it wasn't it wasn't surface level. You know, he really kind of opened up a lot of doors and, and a lot of insights. And I guess for the Aussies out there, you know, John Millman. You know, I think yep. you know John Millman represents everything that, that that we want from from our tennis players. You know, someone who you know lives and breathes the values. You know, someone who's giving 100% every single day. And I think John's also got a great perspective and has had a had a great upbringing. Uh, within him, so I, I think those would be some highlights that would jump to mind. Uh, but having done 130 now, um, <laughs> I genuinely, I genuinely have taken so much from yeah. my own personal learning, you know, and, and just you know having the opportunity to, to to go kind of eye to eye with with all of these amazing guests. Yeah. Um, but hopefully those are some nice standouts for you to get started anyway. Great stuff. I reckon John Millman might host his own podcast uh, one day. Uh, Johnny's one of the great. Uh, talkers, no doubt. So uh, search uh, uh, through your, uh, your podcast provider, uh, search Control the Controllable, subscribe, and you won't go wrong. It's a magnificent podcast. You can listen to it at your own leisure when you want. In these COVID times we're in here in Australia, plenty of time to put the earphones in and walk around and uh, take in some great tennis content. Thank you, Dan. Nice to connect. Uh, let's do it again down the track. Thanks for having me. Just very quickly, my, my, my next guest coming up, is also Craig Tiley. So that's a one for you guys to watch out for as well. Great chat. He could uh, he could talk for a couple of hours, Craig. He'll give you plenty, no doubt. Good on you, Dan. Dan Keenan uh, joining us, of course, host of Control the Controllables. Back to wrap up on the first serve. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With B-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B-Solar advisor. Visit B.Solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Just a couple little uh, tidbits to uh, finish off. Another Monday coming thick and fast. Thank you to Dan Keenan. Great podcast, Controller Controllables. Uh, Michael on the ticks, uh, BP, absolutely amazing vision impaired people can play tennis. Thanks for the interview. I had no idea. Great news. Good luck to them all. Thank you, Michael. Great to chat with Morris Gleeson, OAM Blind Tennis, providing a terrific uh, vehicle. Australian Open, hard to say too much uh, right now. A lot of negotiations going on behind the scenes. I mean, tennis players are now in all forms of different bubbles around the world. So they've been playing all year from country to country. It changes. Will they cop 14 days again here in Melbourne? Probably unlikely. So uh, there's going to have to be some give and take, whether the government's going to come to the party there. I think what you'll find is that we'll have a decision much earlier. Uh, it went right down to, what, December 
obviously pushed back to February. We were still working through all that in January. So I think a decision will be uh, much earlier on that. I just wanted to mention Courtney Walsh, who's been a great contributor to our show. He's been the leading tennis writer for The Australian, our national newspaper for a long time. I found out today, and I haven't spoken to Walshy, but I found out on social media and there's been just a pouring of um, congratulations, really. He is finished up at the Australian, so I'll put a call into Walshy uh, tomorrow. We'll get him back on the show in the next few weeks. One of the great tennis writers. And he's finishing up. I don't know exactly why, but they're the times uh, that we're certainly in. But uh, what well on to you, Walshy, if you're uh, listening. I know you often listen back on the, uh, the podcast uh, during the week, which you can do as well. If you do ever miss us uh, live, uh, all the editions are at thefirstserve.com.au. Follow us on all our socials uh, throughout the week. There are Aussies playing left, right and centre uh, right across the globe. US Open is uh, two weeks away, so we're gearing up for that. Cincinnati is certainly going to be uh, the focus uh, this week. And a very special mention for our good friends at uh, ASTE. They are Australia's leading synthetic uh, tennis court uh, provider, aste.com.au. Magnificent. We'll do it again next Monday here on SEN. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.